This is Mike Borders, and you're listening to Misery Point Radio. Radio. As always, super stoked to have you back once again as a follower on the fringes through this wasteland of internet radio. So last time around, if you remember, of course you remember, I got a chance to sit down with Rick Ross at the Massacre Show in Orlando, and I got the story on the reformation of Massacre, how it came to be, how he reunited with the original vocalist Cam Lee, and of course, original bass player Michael Borders after 30 plus years. There were some really cool history lessons in that conversation, and I hope you're paying attention. Because in addition to that conversation with Rick, I also got to sit down with Michael Borders himself. And once again, we were able to get a really cool behind the scenes look at Metal Days Gone By from the perspective of someone who has lurked mostly in the shadows of metal for over three decades. Only to resurface seemingly out of nowhere to bring a true old school perspective to the reemergence of a legendary band into the modern age. And I made it a point to ask Mike some of the same things I asked Rick because I wanted to try to get a true perspective on some of the information that's been put out to the world over the years. And I was really stoked to hear that Michael Borders and Rick Ross view that old history very similarly. The stories match almost perfectly, which immediately led me to the conclusion that their versions of the stories, at least the ones I asked about, are in fact true ones. Not that there was really ever any doubt, but it was cool to hear firsthand just how close things match up. And the stroll down memory lane with Mr. Borders was brutally honest, very candid, and very eye-opening. So if you're ready for another episode of Death Metal History, as well as a completely unrelated conversation with Mike's ties to the Pacific Northwest, home of yours truly, then you're in for a mind-blowing experience. So sit back and soak in this rare conversation with one of the industry's most reclusive figures, at least until now. Well, uh, so first off, uh, I guess, welcome back. I don't know if back is a good word to use, but... uh, I took it 30 years off. You did, yeah. So I know that there's a lot of people that have been wondering, you know, what have you been doing for those uh, last 30 years, and we'll definitely get into that. But... um, at the risk of being kind of repetitive and talking about old stuff, if you don't mind, I would like to get the first-hand perspective kind of on uh, the history of Massacre, how you got involved, and uh, I know that that's been put out there, but I'd like to hear from you personally. I mean, the history of Massacre, I mean, it's, I'm sorry. It's actually me and Alan West, who was the guitarist for Obituary, and Greg Gall were playing together. Um, the first version of Massacre, which was kind of a hair metal thing, broke up, and we were playing together, and we, that's where the first songs were written, the stuff that you heard on that first demo. Mm-hmm. And we just decided one day this ain't working. I don't, me and Greg weren't getting along. We still, he's a nice guy. We get along now. But it just wasn't clicking. And we got back together with Bill and started playing. Yeah. And we just started weeding out the things that needed to be weeded out with that lineup to make it what it became. Right. So no more high-pitched hair metal screaming. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. There's nothing worse than a guy who thinks he can sing. I've I mean, uh, I've read those old interviews. Oh, in. my God. The, uh, the candor. The candor is just in your face, and I'm just curious. Uh, anybody had any contact with him over the years? Um, I see him about once a year. I yeah. mean, I'm not going to name names, but sadly, he's in and out of jail a lot. Sure. He 
he had problems. He was dealing things. He was stealing things. And he just never got over the whole thing. He just never got into, like, I have to grow up. And he, he thought he was Don Dawkins, to put it mildly. Okay. He really did. He was that guy that was taking operatic singing lessons at 18 but wanted to sing in yeah. a metal band. Thought he was Jeff Tate. And... Yeah, exactly. At <laughs> LSD, lead singer disease. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. So... So you, uh, this is back in the, you know, mid eight, early to mid 80s, 85 ish. Yeah. 85. Cool. God, I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well, you know, I'm right there with you. So although your beard's a little grayer than mine, but there's I've had gray there's... hair since I was 19. So, um, prior to massacre, obviously you guys were all, we're all kids at this point, yeah. right? I mean, you were mm-hmm. talking about teenagers kind of in into mm-hmm. early twenties. So, um, you know, who were your influences? I mean, what, what got you wanting to even play, say, death metal? If death metal was even defined at that death point, Death metal right? was not even defined. I mean, obviously you were listening to Black, Black Sabbath. Uh, Motorhead was a big thing. Celtic Frost had just come out. And realistically, at the time, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest were like, that's the heaviest thing I've ever heard. Right. And we started like, all right, there, were, there wasn't like, um, a ceiling to death metal in our minds. We thought... Well, maybe this could be as big as something like Iron Maiden one day. Nobody knew because it hadn't been done. And we found out real quick the limitations. Of that. <laughs> but we just kept wanting to be, okay, Tampa was a very glam hair metal environment. I mean, you'd sure. see these guys walking around town dressed like that. Hair teased the moon. And we we're like, tight we leather pants and stuff. Spandex. And Lots of leopard skin spandex. For the record, you've seen the early Slayer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, oh, absolutely. That was the thing. That was the thing. I mean, I mean you know, Tom or I had that ah! exactly. going on. I've know. heard Cam do that yeah. in joke, but it has happened. He can do it. He can do it. He I'm can gonna, pull it off. I'm going to put him on the spot. You should do that. He, he, I've heard, <laughs> I heard him do it the other day. Um, but we kept saying, we don't want to be like that. And we kept getting heavier. And all right, let's let's tune down a little bit. Let's make it a little darker. Let's let's do this. And the guys in the band at the time, I mean, to quote them, like, "Oh man, this is to scare the girls away." Really, that's the response. That was, we that were was the goal was to not scare the girls away. No, well, it wasn't the goal, but we had guys in the band at the time that that was their big fear. Right. And Alan wasn't working out. He had issues at the time, and Cam had just moved over to Brandon where we were practicing. And we we're like. Hey, we heard Cam from Death lives here in town. And we went over and picked him up. Me and Bill, the drummer. And Alan didn't show up for practice. He just couldn't keep a schedule going. So me and Bill and Cam started playing. And it just kind of worked. Yeah. And we had another guitarist at the time, J.P. Chartier. Hell of a nice guy. And he was one of the ones that just... It's weird. He was scared by what we were doing when we brought Cam on. But then he went and played on the Executioner demos. Right. Uh, which became obituary for which those became that, obituary. that don't exactly. know. But he grew up with all those guys. They were all buds. Sure. And at the time, it was funny because at the same time, Trevor Perez from Executioner auditioned to play with us. Right. Super nice guy. It just, he was still like 16 years old at the time. It's yeah. like, all right, you're a little too young. Still in high school. Exactly. And, uh, couldn't travel, probably couldn't make a lot of. Traveling uh, wasn't an issue for any of us. Yeah. <laughs> we're, like, we're going on tour of Tampa this year. Yeah. <laughs> Going on tour in the backyard. Oh, exactly. I mean, we never played parties like other bands did, but there weren't a lot of places to play. Right. Really what? And probably not a lot at that point that were ready for, you know, what became of the scene. You know, no. people, death metal uh, when, still hadn't, it was in its infancy, in the formative years. When our first demo came out, you know, 
it was really funny because you know it's not like you could pull it up. You didn't have a smartphone. You couldn't pull it up. Yeah. And say, dude, listen to our new demo tape. Yeah. And you're walking around with this cassette tape in your pocket, walking up to your friends. Dude, check it out. Yeah. I, I got a demo tape. And, and Walkmans weren't even really a there thing. There were back no then. Walkmans. Yeah. So you would find that one. I just dated both of us, by the way. So yeah, no Walkman. You're oh, welcome, man. You old motherfucker. <sighs> You would find that one guy in the parking lot who had a cassette player in his car. Yeah. And you would run out, dude, put this on, turn it up. Half the time. All the way up. All the way up. Half the time. They're like, what the hell is this shit? And they'd take it out. (laughs) So the reaction was um, less than welcoming when we first started playing. Yeah. Our first shows were just a lot of people standing there with this look on their face. They didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. So by the time that what you had put together ultimately became massacre Mm -hmm. right so when did you guys decide that that direction that you were going to go was going to be full-on straight aggressive vocals the second cam showed up in the garage yeah and cam showed up it was freezing cold it was was either you're sweating profusely in the garage and you're freezing your ass off and we're like all right well let's let's play black magic by slayer everybody knows that and we'll play piranha by exodus right and boom and me and bill just put it mildly we giggled yeah right you're <laughs> wait, wait, we can kick out that little homo that's been doing this high-pitched squeals? Oh, yeah, we're going to do that. How did he take that, by the way? Not that he, I want to okay. sidetrack the story, he but... Threat, he would leave threatening phone calls on my voice, my, my answering machine. Did he anger stalk you? He never stalked me, but we kicked him and Alan West out of the band within two weeks of our first show, okay. playing with Rick and Cam. And... If you watch, there's a videotape of that show. We videotaped everything. Videotape, once again, we're aging ourselves. Yeah. And Is that Betamax? It wasn't a Betamax, <laughs> but it was the, okay, it was my father's two-piece VHS system where he had the piece in the camera and the piece in the suitcase. Right. And you could see Alan and Mark spitting on Rick. Right. And throwing things at us. And it, Yeah, you know, Rick had told me the story about how Alan physically spit on him. Absolutely. I mean, how is that even a thing? How does that even happen? I mean, is that just bitter, bitter. petty bullshit? It's exactly what it was. I mean, that was, okay, Alan was an original member of the band. Right. At one time, it was him and Billy Andrews and three other guys. Right. They just kind of those guys that stopped playing by the time they're 17, 18 years old. They were original of the band, but the band was not yet massive. No, it was a co- it was yeah. a cover band playing Anthrax, Omen, yeah, Venom stuff like stuff. Not even yeah. Venom, no. I mean, we'd suggest something heavy like that, and Mark would be like, oh, I can't do that or ruin my voice. And I would laugh. And- <laughs> <laughs> you sissy. <laughs> yeah. So he just he just got super butthurt over the whole thing. Well, and- that's, a, that's a way to put it. Yeah. Um, I don't think, you know, I would run into some of these guys later, and they still, there's a little bit of a grudge there. Yeah. It's kind of like, I'm not comparing anything, like, who was that first drummer for the Beatles that got kicked out? I'm sure he still holds a grudge. Sure. And you're going to, okay, there was a guy named Jerome, I can't remember, Jerome Grable. He was the first, he was the bass player for Obituary when they were still Executioner. And they kicked him out and replaced him with Danny Tucker. Danny's going to be here in a while. Right. Um, he's playing for Nocturnus now. And Nocturnus AD. AD, yeah, yeah. whatever. Got to call it AD, right? That's so gay. I should I put would, a little TM above that, by the way. The whole trademark. It's such <laughs> If you had told me in 1985 that 50-year-old men would be arguing over the name well, of you a know, band in high school. Cough, cough, Master X. 
It's it's embar it is it's embarrassing. Yeah, and I would have told you you were on crack. I really it's just bullshit. Yeah. I mean, no, that, this was always about. I mean, okay, there might have been a time like, man, we might make a career out of this. That ended real quick. We're like, this is about fun. Okay. Right, so we, you and Rick are very much on the same page. Yes, in, in in that sense, this is just about the brotherhood and the fun. And exactly. The, when he called me a few months ago, out of the blue, I haven't I haven't talked to Rick. Yeah. Came in thirty years. Yeah, I was, was actually. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into that yeah, then. So, I, you were retired more yeah, or less. I was okay. I've been playing with a band. In, I lived in Miami for a while, and I was playing in a band in South Florida. Okay. It wasn't. And it was a weird mix of things. I mean, Brett Hoffman sang for us for a while. Um. Bobby Gustafson was actually there in and out. It was me, a guy named George Chorus, who was the drummer for a band called Ambugalard, which okay. is really popular in South Florida. Except imagine Metallica. Brett Hoffman. With Brett Hoffman. Yeah. Oh, crazy. I know. Imagine Metallica, except every song is about Star Wars. And <laughs> and, and it was the band was started by Jordy White, okay. who became Troy Ramirez. Right. And all that was intertwined with each other. And we played together down there for like five or six years. And it was just a really weird mix of thrashy, experimental shit. Sure. And the guitarist we were playing with sadly passed away. And, oh, bummer. At 50 years old. No, wait, 45 years. 45 we passed away. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. And so you were doing that for a while mm -hmm. just for and, shits and giggles. And, and my wife woke up one day and goes, I want to go to school to be a dentist. I was like, Okay, whatever. So we put that to bed and moved to Gainesville so she'd go to school for 10 years. Nice. <laughs> and now I call her Dr. Kelly, and man, it turns me on when I see her. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. So she's fully supportive, though, what you're doing. Oh, yes, she is. Yeah. I mean, at first she was a little, huh? But, th but then I was like, you know, you're going, she has never seen me play before. I've been married 30 years next week. Yeah. And happy almost anniversary thank you and she's going to come to this show and I'm going to say you really think I cheat on some of the girls you're seeing here and it's good she's like I, I'm fine she's going to be totally cool with it after tonight we are solid <laughs> we are solid so that first call uh, Rick calls you up kind of out of the blue you guys had more or less kind of been social media here and there not but barely. not really yeah not really. so I mean from your end of it you get this call did you even think it was really him? I mean, were you? Oh, like, I recognized yeah. his voice instantly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was fine. I was like, okay. I mean, I, I have a very stressful career with what I do. Or, and I was like, yeah, it sounds like fun. I could use some fun right now. Yeah. And I jumped on it. So and I look at my wife, honey, we get the band back together. <laughs> and she's like, which one? I was like, Massacre. She's like, what? Who? Then I call my father up. He goes, how old are you? <laughs> You're going to play this? You're going to do what? Cookie Monster music again. Yeah. My father went to all our shows when I was younger. Yeah, he was he was he was a trip. He was he'd have like some young girl in the corner, like from the band, sweetie, hug me. Right. So, um, I know I'm bouncing around on you a little bit, but I, I meant to ask you. It's called stochastic question. Yeah, well, there you go. It's flashbacks. It's like a movie. It's a movie technique. So. You get a call, but before that, we were talking about kind of the band and people exiting. I mean, how did your exit from Massacre happen the first time? What was the deal with that? I got a call. I mean, okay, we had taken a couple months off because Bill had mono. He was okay, real, he, had, he was sick. He was sick. He was sick. I mean, we had just played a couple of shows, and he was struggling back there. You could really tell he was in bad shape. Health-wise, you mean? And we're like, let's, yeah. I mean, he just he couldn't keep up. He was really run down, and was like, look, we just need to take a break. And... I get this call and we'd start practicing again and I just get this call. Um, 
we don't, I, everybody wants you out of the band. I was like, huh? I was like, okay, I, I, I don't care. It's all good. So out of the blue, though. Out of the blue. Out of the blue. Nothing had happened up to that point. Relationships with everybody was good, solid. I mean, I mean as far okay. as kids we, can be. And We were 19, 20-year-old guys. Right. Full of testosterone. Y'all, I know what I'm doing. We all had a vision of how we should do things. And right. Hedge-butted, but it wasn't ugly. Right. And next thing you know, I went over there and... My stuff was all kind of messed up, and he wouldn't even come out of his bedroom while I loaded my stuff up in my car. He being Bill. Bill. Yeah, okay. I went to, that's where we practiced. We were practicing at his house, and I went over. His mom greeted me at the door, very polite older lady, and she apologized. And I was like, well, Bill here? Yeah, he's in his bedroom. And he wouldn't even come out. Never spoke to me again. Was it Bill that delivered the news to yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. So and, uh, called you up and said, come get your shit? Yeah, that's exactly so what So he happened. broke up with you and said, your he shit's broke on up. the... <laughs> he gave me, as he put it, the iron boots. That was his phrase. The iron boots. The iron boot. And next thing I heard, Terry Butler taking my place. I yeah. Mean, he'd never played before. Yeah. But they were friends. I mean, I get it. That's his best friend. I get it. You know? Sure. And so, they had a long relationship. And, exactly. They've yeah. been buddies since they were little kids. Oh, sure. I understand. I know... You know, here I look back and for a couple months, I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. And then I'm like, well, if I was still doing that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Which right. Is, you know, I, okay, I've met a lot of guys that I used to hang out with back then. I'm like, holy shit, these guys are broke. <laughs> I'm like, how, are you ever going to retire? Do you have any retirement plan? I know that sounds old, but. Yeah, how's like, the health insurance in the health metal it, industry? It doesn't exist. I oh. mean, do you have any money in saving? No. <laughs> So I'm like, well, if I'd still been doing that, I probably would have had a lot of fun, but I wouldn't be in the situation I am now. Hey, kids, you just got your public service announcement <laughs> from one of the OG Death Metal oh, founders. In the Save money. <laughs> Mar- <Yeah>. Marry well. <laughs> Marry a tall, smart girl. So Don't call her your sponsor when she's listening. <laughs> So after that, and say the words "yes, baby" to whatever uh, she wants. <laughs> after that, though, did, is that did you take some time off after that? Um, two years later, I was married. Three years later, I was living in South Florida, playing with another band. So it wasn't long. Yeah, it wasn't a long. I mean, but it never was like one of those. No, we recorded a bunch of stuff, but never played any shows. I mean, it was it was just a very weird thing we were doing. Yeah. And so, for the last, say, 30 or so years, you've been kind of playing casually, but yeah. hadn't really been doing much in the way of, no. was that kind of an intentional thing, or was that just how life took work. you in a different direction? Yeah, work. work. And what exactly do you think? I'm a building contractor. Okay. I design and build custom homes for spoiled millennials. Oh, fucking, spo- well, you said spoiled and millennial in the same sense, know, but, you know, that's, know. A, that's a double redundancy, sir. I totally understand. At the understand. risk of getting political on the show. It's okay. <laughs> no, I am very political, so it's okay. Yeah. So, flash forward again. So, you get the call. Hey, what are you doing? Come jam. How do you feel about that? Are you excited about it? Or are you hesitant about it? Are you apprehensive? You know, it takes a lot to get it. My wife, like, has an example, all the last couple of days, you get excited, you get, I don't get excited. Yeah. It's just not, I'm numb. Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot to get. It takes a lot to piss me off. Like unless you kick my dog or something, it's, you really, you really can't piss me off. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm just kind of like whatever. The stoic thing. It's that yeah. whole Kentucky inbreeding thing I got going on. So you are in fact the Kentucky hillbilly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So my um, family is from Eastern Kentucky, Appalachia. Yeah. Well, my wife's got family up in the Ozarks. I know. She was um, telling me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. 
nothing is uh, more uh, amazing than standing up on a non-cloud cover, 95 to 100 degree day in the Ozarks in a family cemetery. Um, yeah, hating life. Oh come <laughs> and on! Thinking, you got to pay respect to your I could, ancestors. I could literally die right here, and it would just be poetic justice. I would, I would just sink into the ground. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I mean, we have. I have the family cemetery. We have a family yeah. chapel that was built in like the early 1820s. And you go up there, and there's a preacher holding like five or six snakes in each hand, speaking in tongues. Oh man! I'm like, dude, you should be my opening act. Yeah, that's awesome. Just throw some backing tracks behind that, and oh, uh... he speaks in tongues. It scares the hell out of me. <laughs> so, um, with all of the various incarnations and reformations and different versions of the deaths, the massacres, the mantises, did it It never entice you to kind of reach back out and say, hey, maybe I want to no. get back involved in this okay. again? Okay, God's or? honest truth, I never even listened to From Beyond until about four months ago. No I shit. I had never heard it. Yeah. I still had the old demo tapes of those songs. If I wanted to hear it, that's what I listened to. Well, you know, Rick's been very vocal about the fact that you weren't given the credit that it's, he it's, feels I never like you were due. It. Yeah. It's credit for what? Yeah. I mean... And yeah, I mean, yes, there is a notoriety, but it's not like credit for something that was ultra successful right. or anything like that. So They didn't hide the millions from you. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I don't know. I think it's kind of, I think, if anything, just the acknowledgement that something that you were a part of and you had a part in the songs and you had a part yeah, in the history. And Once again, I always had that just four kids right out of high school playing in the garage. Yeah. I really didn't think of it as something that special sure until about four months ago all these trashy girls on instagram start sending me pictures of themselves in their t-shirts with right. massacre with on massacre them. Like, shirts holy shit i'm old enough to be your dad but this is really hot <laughs> right have you ever seen a grown man naked <laughs> send me more pictures <laughs> so when you heard then when you when you first sat down you, you you checked it out for the first time start to finish what you think? It was way overproduced. Yeah. Was, I mean, I... You thought From Beyond was from, overproduced. I thought From Beyond was a highly... I listened to it. I was we're, like, ta- we're not talking about Back From Beyond. We're talking about From Beyond. From Beyond. I really thought From Beyond was an overproduced album. Okay. It was way... Okay, I listened to our first... Not, the first demo tape didn't even have Rick on it. Even though his name is on the tape, he did sure. not, not play on it. He had just joined the band. By the he, time it came out, he was in there, and so they just he slapped... Was, yeah. He was part of the band when we recorded it. Yeah. But he just wasn't, he'd only been there for like two weeks. So um, I really thought it was overproduced. We were a little raw or more powerful than that early on. And I, I could hear where that didn't sound like what we used to play. I could hear that some guy with a button behind a mixing board was like, let's tweak that. Let's compress the shit out of that. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. I really didn't like it. Which is weird because, you know, when people talk about what they like about that album the perception is that it's a very raw album to the general public of course the perception is always different when you're not involved in the process but me being somebody who listens to say from beyond Mm -hmm. and then hearing down the road 2011 back from beyond night and day day. production quality right but when you go from what an album sounds like when you record it on a fucking boombox in your garage and that mm-hmm. boombox is sitting outside your garage door because you can't close the door with that boombox and it blows your speakers out right. you can't hear anything. You know, From Beyond is is considered to be a pretty raw album. So it's it's strange that your perception is that keyboards. it's no when I heard, album. The first thing, when I heard those keyboards, I was like, that is so gay. 
I was like, Jesus Christ. And those were bass lines originally, right? Yes, they were. I was like, what what asshole put a keyboard on this album? I really, that's really my first response. I was like, who answered that question? Rick did. He's like, Terry couldn't play those parts. That's what he told me. Wow. And I was like, okay. I'm not going to say anything. Sure. But I was like, keyboards, really? And y'all didn't fight that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know. It's funny, perceptions, you know, and I guess at that time, that was, the keyboard thing was just starting to kind of take in, like that whole ambiance sound, trying to put in the horror movie kind of vibe, that cathedrally. I know. I know. It's yeah. Just, but that's, and you say yeah. that with disdain. It, I it, know. it was pretentious. It yeah. was pretentious sounding. Yeah. We were never a pretentious band. Like me and Rick, were, we made a conscious effort when we started talking. I was like, okay. Realistically, I haven't listened to death metal in years. It's just, I'm what I've heard in the last seven or eight years is like, yeah, it's not heavy to me anymore. I would, I listen to bands like I Hate God, the Melvins, stuff like that. Sure, as like, okay, it's something I can sink my the teeth Melvins into. Melvins, for my neck of the woods, of I, love the yeah. I love the Melvins. I love the Melvins. The accused and you know, forced entry and all those guys, awesome. But I'm, I was like, look, well, first. I, it's like, I, is the interpretation of like an athlete watching film of his competitions. I did that for a few days. And I'd see these guys come out on stage, back turned to the audience, putting on this preening and this posing. And like, that is so wrong. And who, the, who do these guys think they are? Right. It's, it's, I look at them like, all right, these are four guys that were probably in a garage a few years ago, just like we were. And now they're acting, oh, look how evil I am. It's fake. It's all bullshit. Right. That's what I appreciate about bands like EHG and the Melvins. I mean, it's a bunch of guys getting up there going, all right, we're going to play this song. Check it out. Yeah. So when Rick called you up and is like, hey, let's let's try this again, was there a condition where you're like, I'll do it if, if it's fun? If it's fun. So. The first words that came out of my mouth, is it going to be fun? Yeah. It was like, if we get in there and it's... You know, the bicker, some of the bickering that did go on, little things here and there, that wasn't fun. That really right. sucked a lot of fun. But it hasn't been like that. No, not at all. But if we get in there and we just play these songs, have a good time, let's do it. Yeah. And how was that first rehearsal then? Did it feel like home with you or was it there did. any? It yeah. did. I mean, we played like three or four songs the first day. I mean, it was rough, but I mean, it was... It was still solid. I mean, you and how familiar were you with the material at that point? Or did they just say, "Here's the fucking album"? I just practice to I, it. And I listened to the album for about a week. Yeah, and they're okay. He's the same. The only song I'd never played was "Defeat." Yeah, some of it was already familiar to you. Yeah, all, I, I remember all these songs, but you hadn't played it. In, was it yeah. like a bike though? Getting back on, hopping in, kind of muscle memory kicked exactly. back in, and exactly that's pretty much all it was. Yeah, I mean, we just had to work, really learn one song that I'd never heard, and parts of those arts we had played before yeah and i mean you were familiar with cam you were familiar with rick but you had to kind of get used to maz and his playing style but and i play a little differently because he does some different things but it's not that big a deal yeah so he still keeps it solid yeah so the chemistry is good yes yeah uh and so now six rehearsals in i know (laughs) which is striking because you know we heard about this now Public-wise, me, Joe Q, listener, right? A couple of months back, hey, this was going to be a surprise show, but then all of a sudden now this is a thing, and you guys get ready to go on tour. How do you feel about? I mean, is is this something you guys are you're all in? You're ready we're for it? In. And yeah, we're, we're, I mean, I think Rick and Cam have something to prove. 
I'm actually looking forward to the break I'm going to get from work. Yeah. I work seven days a week right yeah. now. I mean, you I got somebody taking care of your shit though, right? Or are you just going to not have any clients for a while? <laughs> um, I'm cutting back for the year. Yeah. And I tell, like, I met a couple the other day that wants to talk about building a house. I'm like, look, let me tell you point blank. I'm going to disappear for three days out of every month. We're going on a tour and playing death metal. <laughs> and they just kind of look at me. And all of a sudden they get that, oh, he's an artist too. Oh, and they, yeah. it actually works well. It's really funny. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you're going to go to Germany. Going to Germany next Thursday. Yeah. And then you're going to go to uh, South America. Go to Germany. Then we go to Texas to play yeah. a devastating destroying texas fest and then we play california death yeah, fest some fuck the commerce festival that's next week yeah that's the yeah. german sh- that's the german show then we're going to puerto rico we're going yeah. to chicago we're going to south america what are you looking forward to the most the, you know the fun part of yeah. it i mean realistically just traveling a little honestly taking a break having fun with old friends yeah that was something i always thought was weird when we, I remember when we were practicing together when we were kids. I, I literally would sit there. Oh man, one day we're gonna be like 50, 60 year old guys going. Let's get together, jam in the garage. And then we didn't speak for 30 years. I thought we were at least friends, but right. it's like it just that door slammed shut. All right, these guys are never speaking again. And I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. It's fun. It's, I hate to say like football team reunion for your high school buddies, but that's kind of what. Sure. Is. Yeah, but uh, everything seems tight. I mean, everything seems like so far. I mean, it's not perfect. Sure, but but the excitement level seems. If it's too perfect, it doesn't sound heavy anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a little. For you, it's about the heaviness. For you, it's about. I want it to sound like you know a bomb's going off. Yeah, yeah, a bomb's about to go off. So, what do you think we should expect out of tonight's show? Sarcasm. From whom? All of us. Yeah. All of us. Yeah. We're, we're all um, Maz especially. Maz especially is um, you're not. If I'm back here cutting jokes, I'm sorry. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, we're going out there to have a good time. Yeah. We're not going to be that. We're serious death metal. Oh my God, we're death metal god. No, that's bullshit. Yeah. So when you see a lot of these bands out there today, you know, makeup on their face Fake. and the in the corpse paint. I, I want to look at it. Who? I just look. I'm like, who do you think you are? Do you think that's really helping the cause? Yeah. No. I, so, I just can't get into it at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're wearing a Black Sabbath shirt, so you're about you know keeping it real and. Uh... <laughs> well, there's more to this. It's the Black Sabbath matter shirt. <laughs> right. It's, it's a little political statement here. Right. But um, yeah, it's a. Uh, Things are definitely, I, I see the trend reverting back. I hope to, so. You know, kind of, I, I always, I've been using this phrase a lot, but what's old is new and what's new is old. And 2019, I think, you got a lot of bands coming back. You right. know, a bunch of 50 year old guys going, yeah. honey, we're getting the band back. <laughs> yeah. With solid entries, though. I mean, well, here's you know. the thing. Yeah, I was watching part of the Maryland Death Fest from last night. It was on, it's already on YouTube. Right. And you see these bands, blast beats, triggers everywhere, 6,000 beats a minute. And the audience is kind of standing there. Right. What's this? I don't I don't know what to do. They're like kind of antsy. Like, they can't get into it. Right. And then, like, Church of Misery, who's a fantastic band, gets on there. And they play this slow, heavy Sabbath riff. And the place goes completely nuts. Yeah. And it's that, that riff is missing in so much of these new bands. Sure. Have you had a chance to check out Druid Lord? What's that? Have you had a chance to check out Druid Lord? A little Lord? bit. Yeah. Sadly, most of the day I listen to Hispanic music. <laughs> By The guys on my job. Or? Oh, okay, gotcha. The guys on my job. It's really funny because you walk around like, 
That's an Abbott song. Except yeah. you'll hear like these songs that they steal from the 70s and it's in Spanish. And <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think the groove, not that I, I, hate I don't that. want to use the word groove. I hate groove. the word groove. Don't but use the there word is groove. A, there is something like an identifiable phrasing that I think you have to have. Is that, yeah. is that an apt name, an identifiable phrasing? You know, you have to feel the song, I think, to be able to get into it. You have to know what's coming up next. And if all it is is straight up blast beats and, and unidentifiable chords, it, it is, I get what you're saying. It's hard to hard to know where to take that to the well, next the level. The phrase me and Rick were talking about is like, okay, when you were a kid in high school, me is a long time ago, you'd sit there in your homeroom class humming some song in your head. Right. That Black Sabbath riff, something. And if you can't do that, it's not what we're wanting to do. I mean, yeah, some of what we do is a little heavy, a little fast here and there, but we want people to be able to sit there, I mean, hum it one day. Right. I mean, like, you know, the whole Beavis and Butthead riff thing. And that's missing in these new bands. I mean, don't get me wrong, the musicianship's insane. These guys are fantastic. Like, holy shit. But... Write, write a song I can remember tomorrow. So what happens if one day you're at the mall and you're taking Like the I would ever be seen at a mall. Oh, come on. I know, Every, you're, no. I know you're a mall rat. Now, and I can take one is, look at you and I see mall rat. Everything that is wrong with America can be found at the mall. <laughs> one day you're at the mall and you're in the elevator and a masker song comes on. Have you arrived? I would. Because, you know, you could hum those elevator songs. Oh, I know. I know. I, I would probably laugh about it. When you get the Muzak version. The Muzak version. Of it, that would be <laughs> well, honestly, that's how we, the very, okay, true story here. Once again, we just spent the day in the studio, me, Rick, and Cam, and Al. We had that first demo tape out, the Aggressive Tyrant demo. We're walking around the Strawberry Festival in Plant City, Florida. It's like the county fair. Looking for anybody that we could tell we made a demo. Right. We're looking around. We see a carny. You got the Himalaya going. Look, look, I got five bucks in my pocket. Watch this. Go, dude, give me five bucks if you put this tape on. So we're standing there. It's midnight madness. It's car, safe fair. All of a sudden, you hear Cam screaming at the top of his lungs through the PA speakers on the Himalaya at the festival. Yeah. Lasted about a minute. That was like a highlight for us right there. <laughs> that was as close to that mall story as we'll ever get. That's pretty surreal. That's but funny. that's you know we would do whatever it took to make people listen. Yeah. Remember there was no internet. There yeah. was no. You know I talked to these. Okay. You weren't file sharing. You were tape trading. Tape and, tra- you know. I talked to these young guys that have bands and like well, what are you doing to promote your show? You do a lot on Facebook. Like well, you do flyers. They look at me like what? Our first show, we printed up a couple thousand flyers. I went to my dad's office and burned up his copy machine. Here's me and Cam and the parking lot of the Chuck E. Cheese in Tampa, Florida, where everybody drove their cars back and forth on Friday night. It's literally shoving flyers in your car as you drove by. You're taking one, fucker. You're you're taking a flyer. You're going to know the show is happening. And that's what we did. Right. And my little brothers were still in high school. There's some flyers. Hand these out. Yeah. And you just went nuts with it. You had to. Yeah, I had the cops come to my house one day because I was putting flyers in people's mailboxes That's for a, a show deal. I was playing, and uh, I didn't know you weren't allowed to open up a mailbox. Ooh, federal you law. It, you could put it in the newspaper bin, couldn't put it in the mailbox. Well, I was fucking mailbox stuffing, and uh, yeah, so I had the, I had a nice visit from the popo, 
And uh, they weren't entirely thrilled, but I mean, I was 16, so you know. Exactly. Scares the hell out of me. Yeah, what are you going to say? So, why is this long haired kid wearing black in the middle of July in Seattle? Opening up my mailbox. Uh, yeah. Making acid bombs back then, probably. <laughs> Remember acid bombs in the mailbox? Absolutely. So, um, and speaking of Seattle, I, I, I wanted to ask you about this. What exactly is your tie to the Northwest? You'd mentioned that you kind of go hiking up in the Olenat Forest, uh, but you're a yeah. Kentucky hillbilly. I've, and how, how does how does how do you get from there to here? What's the tie? The wet, honestly, you know, you spend enough summers in Florida yeah. where the humidity is 100 percent, can't breathe, and you're like, all right, I'm going to go to the opposite side of the country and okay. take a break. You know, people like my family in like Ohio, I want to move to Florida. It's so pretty down there. Like that's insane. Yeah. I, and people in Florida are like, I want to get to a cool spot. Yeah. And that's where we're going. My wife and I do really like it here though. It's very nice. It's not that bad yet. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> Give about three more weeks and it becomes oppressively humid. Yeah. That's the phrase the weatherman uses and you're just drenched all the time. It's yeah. like you you're spending 10% of your gross domestic income on jock itch medicine. You're sweating so much. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it's horrible, but I mean, yeah. And so you literally ran to the other side of the country just to get away from... Well, that and I was like, well, we can go here and there's nobody there. Yeah. And you have friends or family up that way or anything? Um, I had a nephew who played for the Seahawks. Oh, okay. And he was playing at the time. Him and my niece went up there and they were living uh, out in Bellevue for a while. Okay. And I was like, all right, let's go see him. We'll see a Seahawks game, blah, blah, blah. And I just like, oh man, this feels great. I haven't sweated in three days. And we'd go <laughs> hiking around Mount Rainier and then we'd go hiking around the Olympic National Forest. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's cool. It's peaceful. I like peaceful. Peaceful is a good thing. kind of guy then? Absolutely. I don't, I'm not a hunter. I don't fish. I really don't do any of that shit. I just want to go walking in the woods. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I will, uh, there's always Bigfoot sightings when I'm there, though. Lots of Sasquatch, lots of Bigfoot, lots well, of UFOs. I, I think it's me they're seeing. Yeah, oh, get you size, are the Bigfoot sighting. I get size 14 boots. I mean, they're like, oh, my God, there's a Bigfoot. Yeah, put on your Chewbacca outfit and uh, you probably get shot. Well, last time I was there, we were on the Hurricane Ridge, and some old guy got gored to death by a mountain goat about a half hour behind us. <laughs> I was like, well, why didn't that goat come fuck with me? That'd be a great story to tell. Right. I'm like, ah, I've got the goat. <laughs> Death by a mountain goat. Yeah, he was like, he was a sad, sad story, I'm Can't sure. Can't say I've heard of that, but uh, right there's there a Hurricane lot of other Ridge. wild critters, and which is a fantastic motorcycle riding spot because I've been up there, uh, my wife and this one, I ride up there last year. And uh, I'm kind of a little bit out in a place called Port Orchard across the water oh, from Seattle. So, um, but yeah, it's about two hours to get up to the to the Oli Nat, and it's just amazing. And you can spend endless time up there oh, absolutely and it's weird because you know you feel like you're way the hell out there but you're not that far i mean yeah. you can you can get in anywhere you want i mean if you get attacked by a mountain goat you're probably scared. screwed but i'm not scared <laughs> you're i can not handle scared. i can handle it like, bring it on goat I've got, awesome i normally have bear spray fire oh my wife's here i normally have bear spray i normally have a couple firearms with us so it's okay yeah awesome so well cool uh i think next time you're up in the area We'll go hiking. We'll throw some people off the uh, off the cliffs. You know, it's, <laughs> there's a couple places I'd like to do. You, know, you get that what's a panorama point right there on Mount Rainier where you're like you're right. hugging the side of the mountain. You're like, wow, look at that. And, yeah, it sounds amazing. So you've been there before. Yeah, I can. Oh yeah, you been know all over. About. Been all over up there. Um, the wife would move in a heartbeat. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, the Pacific Northwest is. Uh, it's not for everybody, you know. It's got it's got its uh, probably like here. It's got its pluses and minuses, and 
weather is not for everybody. It's kind of foggy, kind of misty. It I'm rains about it. half the year, but uh, yeah. There's some days the sun hurts. Yeah. Yeah, we had our first uh, first big snowstorm, I think, in about 20 years where we had about two feet yeah, of snow. Yeah, so where it snowed there. Yeah. And, and people couldn't drive in it. Yeah, we, everybody lost their shit. And, uh, you know, and then the people in Montana were like, you guys are all a bunch of pussies. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it was amazing. So uh, it was it was pretty metal to watch everybody cower in the snow and try to drive their Priuses. Oh, I, I, that's the one thing I couldn't handle is Prius drive. I'm sure, yeah. I, I'm convinced there's like a conspiracy. Yeah. If you drive a Prius, you pull in front of trucks like mine and just yeah. slow down. <laughs> I really think, I just, I just feel that some days. Yeah, I'm a big truck guy myself, so I saw you pull in. I was like, all right, this is cool. I have a rental car. I was hoping they weren't going to give us a Prius, and they didn't, no. thank God. But no, no. I, wouldn't I, I, that I, have been ironic? The Seattle guy gets a Prius for a rental car in Florida. So I, I will tell you though, I hate parking in Seattle. Yeah, and you're sitting there like you're like at a 45 degree incline on the side of the road, and you're like, this, this ain't gonna work, man. <laughs> if you're not used to that, right? <laughs> well, now everybody has heard the real story behind what happens behind the scenes at Massacre. Um, so, is there anything else that you want to throw out there before uh, before we call this a day and let you get back to your gig tonight? Oh, just come check us out. I mean, it's not going to be your typical cheesy death metal thing it's, okay it's going to be more it's going to be a little more fun than what people are used to it right it's we're not we're not taking ourselves that seriously i mean we're up there to have fun still be heavy of course but, right you know the pretentious crap that you see that's gone cool. it's gone we're, we're avoiding that at all costs three words to describe the current massacre sound I can't say it because my wife's sitting right here. She'd get mad I'll at me if it goes. How about heavy as balls? Heavy as balls. Yes, and we, we all know how heavy balls are. Mine have their own Especially gravitational pull. They have their own gravitational pull. I've man. heard. And I mean. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Michael Borders, thank you so much for hanging out on uh, Misery Point Radio today. I appreciate your time. Not a problem. Looking appreciate forward time, to man. seeing uh, Massacre tonight with uh, Drew Lord, False Prophet. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. So, uh, have your sparkling Perrier and uh, I got some tea in know, the truck. go I'm wait ready. out in your Prius, and uh, we'll call you when it's showtime. <laughs> All right. Thank <laughs> you, Thank you, sir. brother. Thank appreciate you. it. Well, there you have it. Another awesome conversation from another metal legend. You're welcome. And for the record, the show was, just as Mr. Borders described, heavy as fucking balls. The entire experience, out of control, super awesome, one that I won't soon forget, even with what's left of my limited memory. So, if you like the show, do me the flavor. Subscribe. iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Spreaker, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are found like the facebook page share the facebook page don't forget to follow the show also on instagram at misery point radio and twitter at misery point radio
into the chamber. Amazing! 